This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Y'all, I've been really excited about this episode because it is a topic that I am very passionate about. And it goes back to my childhood. My mom read so many books to us. A lot of them were missionary biographies. And to this day, I remember so many of the stories. And when I am going through a difficult time, when I'm just struggling in an area, I'll think back to those stories. And those will be things that will carry me through and remind me of what is true. And so today we get to talk about reading aloud. Jennifer, you have a brand new book, Mothering by the Book, The Power of Reading Aloud to Overcome Fear and Recapture Joy. And I was telling you before we started that there's a problem with this book and that I'm reading it going, now I have so many more books that I want to read because you're recommending so many in this book. But let's not get ahead of ourselves before we dive into just talking about reading aloud and all things mothering. And, you know, even if you're listening and you're not a mom, you think, I would never read aloud to my kids. I don't have time. Still tune in because there's going to be so many tidbits of encouragement. But I'd love for you to start by introducing yourself to our audience. Oh, I'm so honored to be here, Crystal. I've been a fan of you for years. I love what you do with encouraging moms to save money and or in make money and love their children. And I'm the mom of seven children. I've actually been homeschooling for 25 years. And that's part of how I had the time to read all these books aloud to my children. And I've graduated five of them. And I also have a homeschool resource business uh, called The Peaceful Press. 
And did you, have you always homeschooled? Is that something that you knew you were always going to do? Yeah, I, we were at a church when our first child was just a baby. And there was one family there that we really admired. I loved the way the kids interacted with the parents. And it was kind of a stark contrast, actually, to some of the other families. So we were like, oh, this is kind of the family vibe that we want. And so early on, I had a vision for just being a family that did a lot together and really enjoyed each other as people. And so that was kind of the trajectory of our life as a family. So I have to ask, did homeschooling play out like you initially thought it would? You know, in a lot of ways it did, because Mm. early on, I read a book called The Charlotte Mason Companion. Mm. And so early on, I had a vision for just reading out loud to my children and playing in nature. And so because I had a very clear vision of what I wanted, a lot of that did play. I mean, we always prioritize living in the country or living where there was natural surroundings. We always prioritized reading out loud. Uh, I have a child with some learning disabilities or special needs. And so that obviously was a hiccup I wasn't expecting. And we ended up living off grid in Mexico for four years as um, not, it wasn't off grid the whole time, but living a missionary lifestyle for a while. So there were some things that, you know, came up that were different than maybe my dream vision, but for sure the homeschooling part of it was very centered around reading books together and just enjoying each other. I love that you are writing this book after 25 years of homeschooling, because I think with social media, it is so easy to kind of get these little snippets of, oh, we need to be doing this thing, or we need to be doing that thing. And, you know, you're early on in your motherhood journey, and you're just feeling like, this is what we should be doing. And a lot of times you're getting that information from somebody who maybe they only have a few small children. And so I love that you're sharing this from the perspective of a very seasoned mom, that you've done this, you've lived this, you've walked this for 25 years, and you're saying, I still believe in this. This works. And I I love to learn from moms who they've actually graduated kids because I'm like, okay, they, not that we can't learn from young moms, but I think moms who have, you know, gone the whole gamut of motherhood have so much perspective and wisdom to give. And so tell me about this concept of reading aloud. You said you read the Charlotte Mason Companion, which really encourages that playing in nature and learning from life and read alouds. Talk to me about though, how did you in the beginning kind of structure your days when your kids were little to have that read aloud time? You know, we started kind of a gathering. Now we call it morning time, but I think I called it circle time at first. And so when I just had toddlers and, you know, maybe a preschooler, we would just sit on the floor for a half hour to an hour each day and talk about colors and maybe read a children's Bible. So there was sort of a structure that fell into place early on. And I had read some, I think it was Raymond Moore. He was a pioneer in the homeschool movement. And he, in one of his books, there was a description of this family and how their morning went. And they had a toddler maybe and a preschooler and they would get up in the morning and they would, you know, wash their faces and brush their teeth and make their beds. And the mom really talked them through everything. And then they'd walk down the lane and look at the fall colors. And there was just so much um, beauty and structure and rhythm in their day. So I think early on, I really had a vision for having a, a home life that had some rhythm that wasn't just haphazard. And my homeschooling sometimes was haphazard because I have seven children. So it was inevitable that somebody would have a struggle or there'd be 
um, you know, with the child with learning disabilities, or we we moved, or we had babies. There was things that happened that meant that every day wasn't a perfect day. But for sure, we had so much beauty and such a rhythm in our homeschool life that really kind of set the tone and gave us something to be anchored to during a transition season. Mm-hmm. So as your kids got older, then did that you know, morning time, circle time, whatever you were calling it, did, did things change or did you continue on with that? We continued on. And mm-hmm. I, I really believe in this. Like I've graduated five. One of my daughters is doing a Juris doctorate in decentralized finance. So I really believe in the power of just reading aloud and having good discussions. And this isn't exclusive to homeschoolers, like families who are, um, have their kids in school, they could have an evening time where they really read even just a chapter of something and talk about it because they feel like the classroom children are not getting those discussion times, which are so powerful for developing critical thinking skills and developing communication skills and even developing a worldview. And so as my children grew, we kept moving along with the books. Like no longer was I reading board books, but my toddlers were still there, maybe eating a snack. I was breastfeeding a baby. And then we were having these great discussions about, you know, the Alfred the Great or Joan of Arc or um, American history leaders. So the learning continued and we've stayed in that gathering through my whole 25 years. I'm homeschooling this year, a 10th grader and an eighth grader and doing the exact same thing, reading aloud. And then they have their co-op classes or their independent work, but we start every day with that morning time. So I know we have a lot of listeners who, like you mentioned, are not homeschooling and maybe this concept feels really foreign to them and they might feel like we just don't have time. Like our, we don't have time. Like I actually, I'd love to have those discussions with my kids. I'd love to read some of the books that I loved when I was a child, but where do we find the time for this? Well, one of the things I've been hearing lately is moms talking about how when their kids go back to school, it's a bad time to talk to them when they get in the car at the end of the day. Like the kids are tired and they're going to be grumpy. That's a perfect time to just put on an audiobook. Uh, my son also listens to a lot of audiobooks as he goes to sleep at night. He listened to the whole James Harriet series, the whole Lord of the Rings series, you know, so he's uh, Swiss Family Robinson. So he's gotten some really great books, maybe even books that I wouldn't be as interested in reading aloud. He's gotten during that going to bedtime. So I think there's a lot of little windows in our day where we can bring in these books because the problem is in schools, I think I just read a survey that said only 20% of 13 year olds read for fun. Mm-hmm. And when you're not reading beautiful, heroic stories, you're going to be lacking a little bit of the hopeful worldview that we need today. You know, that was what I talked about in the book is just the hope that I got to overcome fear from these uh, books that I was reading. Mm -hmm. And that's what kids need too. Kids are afraid of all these big issues in the world right now as well. And so these books like Swiss Family Robinson, where it's a little bit um, whimsical, but they survive being shipwrecked or the endurance about Ernest Shackleton, where they survive a real shipwreck. It's a, a real story about sailors who survived. Stories like this bring so much hope. And I can say from someone who had a mom who read aloud and really prioritized that, you know, when you talk about the endurance, like I can remember so many phrases from that book and it comes to me often and I'll tell my kids, did you know that, you know, it sticks with you as a child and it's it's this gift that you're imparting to your kids. And the interesting thing is when our kids transition from homeschool to going to a more traditional school setting, they told me, they said, mom, we realized that so much of what we knew 
wasn't from the textbooks that we did in homeschool. It was from the books that we read and listened to. And so it's powerful. And I love talking about, you know, you were saying about listening because I think some children are, they're more auditory and the thought for them of sitting down and reading a book can be difficult. We have one who they like to listen and look at the book at the same time. And that's really helpful for them. And so I think, you know, it doesn't have to look one way. And I love how you also talked about the toddlers having snacks. I think that food and play can be so helpful when you're having read a lot of time that it's not just, at least at our house, it was never like, just sit there perfectly still. I'd love to for you to kind of describe to us what read aloud time would look like if you had multiple ages. I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of families actually are trying to homeschool this year. And then they're like, oh my goodness, my kids want to still for me for anything. Mm-hmm. But I think if you look at it in terms of when do my children sit still, they sit still in the car. It's a great time to listen to books. They sit still at the breakfast table, another great time to listen to books. And so if you look at those windows in your day when maybe are the good times for your children listening. And for me, I did let my children play with Legos or draw or paint. Toddlers love to watercolor paint and it's so safe. Like they might mix the colors up, but they're not going to make a big mess. You know, so there's a lot of things that really young children could do quietly. And often instead of um, trying to get those little ones to sit, you might just start with reading the book and then they'll come over, especially if it's an engaging story or you're um, doing a good job of articulating it. So I think there are a lot of ways through the years. And then as my children have grown, they will, they'll write as I'm reading, they will knit, they'll crochet. There are so many handwork, whittling, things like that, that kind of keep their hands busy so their minds can think. And it is like, I love what you said about your children, because I do feel like we can educate without the books, but they're not going to remember as much. It's not going to move their heart like the stories do. The textbooks will give them facts, but often it just goes in one ear and out the other, or they'll remember it for a test. But those stories, when they saw what someone overcame and they remember where they were and what the weather was like and what the experience was, that's going to stick with them. And then the next time they read about someone from that area or someone from that time in history, there's a connection made. And those are the stories that'll kind of carry them through their life. Have you ever had a child who was not into read aloud or you're just having a day when it just didn't seem like it was working well? You know, there have been times where there's more interruptions than are usual. It's such a routine for us over 25 years. So, but there, there are times where there's like a question being asked. I'm like, why are you asking me? This is not of general interest. And so I think being sensitive, you know, maybe that child didn't get breakfast. Maybe they can't settle down yet because they aren't, um, they, you know, if, you, if they didn't get enough snuggles, if they didn't get a good high protein breakfast, there are some physical things that will keep a child from being able to settle down and do their schoolwork, do their homework, listen to read a lot, whatever it is. So being sensitive and aware of that is important. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about this book. I I talked about how I am just loving it. In each chapter, you have recommendations for books, but tell us about your heart behind Mothering by the Book. Well, I wouldn't consider myself a fearful person, honestly. Like if you read the book, you saw me spill my guts and you're like, you are so scared. (laughs) But, you know, as moms, I think there are so many things like I was, I was not afraid to bungee jump off a bridge as a teenager 
but I was afraid that my baby would never sleep through the night. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was not afraid to go, um, you know, go into a city or get on a plane or whatever, but I was afraid that we would not make it through potty training. So there are these times in a mother's life where fear does come up and it might look different to different moms. Like one of us might be afraid of taking our kids on a nature walk and another one might be afraid of living in the city, but we all have things that we feel like, oh, that is scary for me as a mom. And so that's what the book is about because I feel like letting myself be swayed by fear or letting fear have too big of a voice in my head kept me from enjoying my children. And a lack of enjoyment, I think, interrupts with connection. And when we don't have attached, well-connected children, we get children who are impulsive or who make dumb decisions or maybe who are even more prone toward addictive behaviors. And so I, I, you know, there are some regrets in my life that I was worried maybe about my yard not looking pretty. And so instead of playing with my children, I was out weeding the yard or, and maybe the root of that fear was that my mom would be disappointed in um, how badly I was doing my gardening. You know what I mean? So if we get down to some of the roots of our fears, what's behind that and get at it early on, don't wait until your children are teenagers, but really get at it. And, and so I had these fears, you know, one of the big ones I talk about in the book is we're living as missionaries in Mexico we live off grid. And if it rains where we live, you can't get water trucks in. And we lived on a thousand gallons of water a week. But as I was reading that, as I was experiencing this and the rain was threatening and I had a child who was sick, all these intense situations, I was reading The Long Winter by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And in that book, the trains can't get through and they are stuck without food for a whole winter and having to grind wheat in a coffee grinder so they can bake their daily bread. And so as I read that book and I saw the way Ma navigated these hardships and navigated these fears and how it drew them closer together, I thought, hey, if Ma can do it, I can do it too. And the same thing happened during the um, beginning of the COVID pandemic. All this was happening and, you know, there was the fear of the sickness, but also like there were no eggs in the store or no toilet paper. Mm. But I was reading Corey Ten Boom in The Hiding Place and thinking, hey, what would Betsy do in this situation? She would give thanks. She would rejoice. And so I think for me, these models in literature have been friends and mentors that have really helped me get perspective on my life, be thankful, have a vision. So many life skills that I've learned through these literary mentors. That reminds me, um, last week I co-lead a small group um, of their juniors now, girls at our youth group. And we were, they were just talking about, you know, stressing about this test and this thing and that. And I looked at him and I said, you know, it could be a lot worse. You could be in solitary confinement in the middle of World War II. And I was just thinking back, I think of it a lot. Um, Darlene Dibler Rose, her book, Evidence Not Seen. And thinking of that, if y'all haven't read that book, you need to read the book. It just, that powerfully impacted me as a teen. And to this day, as an almost 41-year-old woman, you know, here I just think of, could be a lot worse. <laughs> You know, she survived that and trusted Jesus, and I can too. Right. She learned to give thanks for even the maggots in her rice bowl. Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, another favorite of ours as well, Crystal. So I love how you brought fear into this. Well, that sounds weird, but I think that is something that women struggle with so much. And I feel like if you have never been someone who was a worrier or anxious, motherhood is going to bring it out of you. One of my friends is pregnant right now and she, it's her first baby. And she just is like, I, I never thought of myself as an anxious person, but I feel like all the little things are just coming to the surface. And 
So talk to the mom right now who's listening, who she just feels like, I think I'm failing as a mom. I'm messing up my kids. I don't know what to do. I'm just afraid that I'm going to get to the end of, you know, my kids are all going to be graduated. And I'm look back and be like, I just, I totally failed as a mom. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I prayed with a mom last year who was actually dealing with a fear of having regrets. Mm. Like she hadn't even made any mistakes yet, but she was just afraid of making mistakes and it was keeping her in our head. But I think, you know, one of the things that really has been impactful for me in the last few years is just the power of forgiveness. Mm. Because, and not just forgiving others, which I feel like breaks, breaks us free in a lot of ways, but also forgiving ourselves. Like, you know, for believers, um, there's a, the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's a forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I think that a daily forgiveness towards yourself is really important because the truth is we are going to make mistakes. But if we live each day reliving and rememorizing and, um, you know, telling ourselves how badly we did, then we're trying to live that next day with all that weight on us. Mm-hmm. But if instead each day we can just end the day by saying, you know, thank you for this day and please forgive me for the ways I blew it, then the next day we're like children. Children aren't like so self-aware. They're just out playing and having fun and being creative until they start getting also bitter or unforgiving, you know. And so if we can stay in that state of just being so free and recognize that we are forgiven and then we can, each day is a clean slate and we can just enjoy the day and Yes, we all make mistakes, but we don't have to make it this big, heavy thing like, oh, I made a mistake today, so I'm always going to do this, and I'll never figure it out, and I'm just a terrible mom. And does that make us be better moms when we say I'm a terrible mom? Mm -hmm. No, it makes us sad and depressed and not fun. And what happens is, the thing is, we might be feeling bad about ourselves because we weren't good enough moms, but what our kids think when they see us unhappy is they think, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I'm making my mom unhappy. How sad is that? Like, we're just worried about how we can be better for them because we love them so much. And yet our worry makes them feel like they're not doing enough for us or Mm -hmm. they're not good enough. So I Mm -hmm. think that's one of the reasons I feel like this is so important to get over this fear is that when we look like we're having fun as mothers, when we look like we are enjoying our life, when we look like we consider this a joy and a blessing, our children pick up on that and they think, my mom loves me. I'm a joy and a blessing. Mm -hmm. But when we have the opposite attitude, like, oh, this is so hard, I'm just such a screw up, and and, and then we kind of get mad at our kids because they embarrassed us, then they start to feel like they're the cause of it, and who can live under that kind of pressure? Mm, that's powerful. So I have a senior this year. It's my first time to step into this year, and it feels weird. I, I didn't think it would really hit me until I started getting all these emails about, you know, the different things you have to do in senior year, or you don't have to do them, but, you know senior photos and the cap and gown and, you know, just thinking ahead to graduation and college applications and all of that. And I would just love for you, you've graduated five kids. What wisdom would you share to someone like me who's just at the start of this journey of letting, letting go? Like I, I, I remember she was born and now she's, you know, getting ready to fly away. Yeah. You know, actually I was at a conference once where a, another homeschool leader, Susan Wise Bauer was talking about her adult child and some conflict they were having. Mm-hmm. And she had this realization that this little window of time, or even the child's whole childhood up until then was only a part of their life. And they still had the rest of their life to make happy memories together, mm-hmm. to 
redeem maybe something that was lost to build their relationship. And so I think, you know, partly just not feeling like, oh, it's over. And if I didn't do everything, I didn't do everything. And just realizing we still have our full life ahead of us. But also, you know, I think not thinking that a little mistake, because when kids go out of our homes, they probably will experiment a little bit or make mistakes. And I, you know, I've, I'm a believer. And so I've done, I've worked really hard to try and raise my children with my values, but they're still going to have to try and live out their own life and, and figure out their own way. And a friend of mine, when I was worrying about one of my kids, she said, you know, even Adam in the garden walking with God could not be perfect. Like he had mm-hmm. a perfect dad and he still was not perfect. And so for us as moms to think, oh, my, my college student made a mistake or something went wrong, to think that we could have been perfect is probably a little bit prideful anyhow. Mm-hmm. And so to have a little more faith to think about, you know, we've learned through the years and look at these other people who maybe they were kind of crazy in this stage, but they made it and they're doing well and not be so despairing if if there is a mistake made and just be hopeful, be a good friend, but also continue to be a, a voice in their lives, mm-hmm. not feel like, oh, I'm done and they're gone. That's good. I would love for you to talk about getting started with reading aloud. I know we have a lot of young moms who listen to the podcast who would like to look back in 25 years and and have experienced what you've experienced. How would you encourage them to just get started with the process of making that a practice in your home? Yeah, I think that, you know, the book Atomic Habits actually has been really encouraging for me in just thinking about the lifestyle that I want to build because partly this is building a lifestyle. Like if you never read aloud to your children, it is going to be hard to break into it. But if every day you have a little ritual of, you know, after breakfast or before bed, you just even read a couple pages, it's not going to be any big transition ever. And I feel like that's the things that we want to build into our life, whether it's healthy eating or reading aloud or being a family who gives hugs every day, whatever it might be for your family. If you just start to make space in your day, make that a part of your lifestyle, it's never going to be a big deal to add it in. But if you think, oh, you know, I'm going to start this big thing and we're going to read a whole book this week, that's when it gets hard. But if you just start out, maybe it's just a page a day, but you just start with this little habit and you build on that. And as we close out, I was thinking I would love to hear from you what some of your top family read alouds were. I know that's a big question. That's a hard one, but I'd love to hear maybe, I don't know, your top five or something. Yeah, that's actually an easy one. And, And a lot of them are in the book, obviously, but the Little Britches series has been very formative for us as a family. I mean, we often talk about the way he navigated hardship, the way they navigated loss, the way they were thankful even in the middle of very hard circumstances. So it's by Ralph Moody. It's called the first one's called Little Britches, and there's several. And every one of them has just amazing life lessons. Like I wouldn't skip one. Um, and then The Endurance by Alfred Lansing. It's one of the stories of uh, Ernest Shackleton. It's one of the best leadership books I've ever read. Mm-hmm. You know, just gave me so much insight into really what children need. Like, I think sometimes as parents, we think they don't need us to lead. They can just make their own decisions. But watching that book and how his men survived a terrible um, incident, and they would never have survived if he hadn't been such a good leader, really highlighted that. And then The Little House on the Prairie series is another one we've read several times and just really enjoyed the descriptions and the way there's so much fortitude and character in the middle of hard circumstances. So 
you can say I gravitate toward hardship books. <laughs> but yeah, those are definitely some of the top ones. The If I'm going for five, the Chronicles of Narnia are another one that we just cried our way through. We have read them a few times aloud and then listened to them on audio. And I just read Miracles on Maple Hill. It's another just really sweet. If you love nature, there's beautiful nature descriptions in that one. So yeah, there's so many that we've read through the years. And like you said, there's many of them listed in that, um, in Mothering by the Book. And I love how you kind of connected whatever a chapter was in your book, whatever kind of topic it was, then some books that would go along with that. And so I highly, highly recommend Mothering by the Book, The Power of Reading Aloud to Overcome Fear and Recapture Joy. And also I was going to mention, we talk about a lot on this podcast of audiobooks and Hoopla and Libby. So some of you are listening, you're thinking, well, I can't spend a bunch of money on audiobooks. Hoopla and Libby from your library have a lot of these. I know we've listened to the Little House um, series, Chronicles of Narnia. You can get those free online. And um, just kind of instilling that in your kids, if thinking of sitting down and opening up a book right now, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know that we can do that. We'll start in the car get some of those audiobooks and start listening in the car. And you might be surprised how your kids get sucked in and then they want to sit in the driveway and be like, no, 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 don't turn it off, mom. We got to, we got to hear the end. And, and then that's a, I feel like kind of a gentle way that you can ease into then reading aloud as well, especially if you have older kids and you haven't established this habit and practice. So yeah. thank you so much for joining me today. I just really appreciate your heart. I really appreciate how you're encouraging moms. I appreciate that you have been in the trenches for so long and you're still in the trenches and you're just there telling moms that they can do this and that, you know, they're going to look back when they are in your shoes and it's going to be worth it. It's worth it. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.